Hello and welcome to Creative Lives, the Lecture in Progress podcast. Lecture in Progress is an online resource that inspires and informs the next generation of talent by providing practical advice and insight into the creative industry. This podcast series features a broad range of people talking about what they do and how they got to where they are. Our guest this week is Dan Adeyemi. My name is Daniel Adeyemi. Currently the lead creative technologist at fashion brand Farfetch, it's Dan's job to experiment with how technology can be used to bring various ideas to life. This often means encouraging clients and brands to take risks on future possibilities rather than focusing on current trends, whether that's an interactive lookbook or projects using augmented reality. Since graduating from Goldsmith's creative computing course in 2013, Dan has taken up roles predominantly in the world of fashion, starting out as a web producer at Netaporter before joining teams at Dazed, Condé Nast and Stylist magazine. To start, he tells us about the changing nature of the role and what a typical day might look like. In the role of creative technologist actually changes depending on where you're doing it. So in terms of my role within Farfetch, my job as a creative technologist is to both look at the design of what we do and look at the tech of what we use and think of more sort of future ways of doing it. So whether that's working within VR, AR, or if that's working with a client who wants to do something on the web but might want to use sort of crazy animation or crazy graphics. It's sort of not looking at conventional ways of using technologies and sort of find a way to do that. It's probably not how I would explain it to my mum, but I think that's the best way to do it. I think in general, however, the role of a creative technologist generally changes job by job. So I think if you actually look at it on Google, you will find a million different definitions for the job title. So my typical working day within the far-fetched world, I guess we look at a, a series of briefs. So we, it's either a self-initiated brief or it's a brief that someone's given us from within the company. And then from there, sort of speak to stakeholders, speak to people around it, and then almost find solutions to that brief. It's similar to, I guess, any sort of robot event. This is more specific to technology. So, for example, somebody might say, we really want to promote trainers on our site. How can we do that? And with what technology is that possible? So I could be like, well, actually, you can maybe do this thing with 3D. So let's get a bunch of trainers and turn them into 3D models and put them up somewhere. Or we could do a whole website around it. So maybe it might just be like a simple website, but it's the idea of going, okay, I've got this challenge. With the technology that's out there and with the technology that maybe isn't out there, how can we utilise these to create something which is engaging and fun for people to use? It's kind of funny, within my role at Farfetch as a creative technology, a lot of my work is prototyping to show what's possible rather than actually what can essentially go to production which is fun in that sense as well yeah but everything goes into the constraint of you know actually working for a business and having to make money for someone somewhere within my role I have to collaborate a lot it's not just me in isolation I have to speak um to people from all areas of the business whether it's fellow designers or fellow coders or um, people in the marketing team or people in um, sort of like the business sense of stuff or even the legal team. I think recently I had to speak to people in legal over certain stuff. It's, you have no choice but to collaborate. Um, 
especially I think in terms of using feature technology, I kind of find some of the best ideas or the best things that have influenced me has been people who are outside of these technologies in a way, because they'll be like, why can't you do that? And I'll be like, oh yeah, why can't I do that? Because they'll be thinking in a complete different way from me going, I've used a website before, I know website can do this. Other people from other teams just, I think we should be able to do that. And then it will kind of be the catalyst for me to investigate how to do these sort of things. In what's clearly a future-focused role, keeping one eye on evolving technology is essential. Yeah, like you said, technology is always changing. If you don't keep up with what's going on, you're sort of, you're gone, you're out of the loop. Dan tells us what other skills are needed to do what he does. I think patience is a skill probably for most jobs, but definitely for this. Um, having the basic understanding of development is very useful. A basic understanding of design is very useful. But then also, I think, sort of the mindset to, to think speculatively is definitely useful as well, because you're not in this sort of these sort of roles, and especially in the world of creative technologies, you're not just thinking about what we can do now. It's what we can do in a few years' time, what we can do in 10 years' time, what we can do in 20 years' time, what's actually the effects of that. It's the idea of putting yourself in almost um, fictitious situations or scenarios to create what you're going to create in a way. With technology moving so quickly, Dan often uses his spare time outside of work to take in lectures and do his own research. Most of my spare time is it's going to exhibitions, going to lectures and just writing. And these are things that I don't ever really publish anywhere, but I am always feel like I'm in a state of research. And in a way, I could kind of think of this research maybe as a side project in a way, or just, a for, I guess, another form of work, but a form of work which is something that I actually like and something that I enjoy and I want to do. Will that fully develop into a side project that can be seen by others? I don't know. Growing up, Dan had ambitions of being in music or politics, but ultimately ended up at Goldsmiths, studying creative computing. He tells us just how influential his studies were to his career. Funnily enough, I might be one of the few people where my actual degree completely relates to what I do. So I did a course called Creative Computing, which is almost close enough to my job title at Goldsmiths, which was a great course. It was almost like a mixture of art and computer science, even though it was a Bachelor of Science, which I received. It was very much a mixture of the two. And it was great. It actually introduced me to a whole world of people, a whole world of way of thinking. It taught me the basics of actually coding and also kind of gave me this sort of critical eye, I guess, I've developed and um, sort of the artistic point of view that I have. Um, During my time there, my actual main focus was digital arts. So at the time, all the work I produced there was digital artwork. Um, which some some actually got shown and exhibited around and sort of like a side focus there was philosophy. So even my undergraduate piece was a philosophy piece. It was all based around Deleuze's being um, different to repetition. So it's, it's really bizarre. Kind of studying and going there definitely gave me a lot of the skills that I'm using now in my practice and my job in general. Next, Dan tells us how landing his first job opened him up to working in the world of fashion. So funny enough, when I graduated, my initial um, first step was actually to do an MA. I was going to go to St. Martin's to do art and science and then decided to defer a year. And then within that stage of deferring a year, I found a job 
at Netaporte, which sort of opened the doors to where my sort of career, especially in terms of working with fashion. And so at Netaporte, I was a, a producer, like a web producer, and that job kind of entailed sort of pushing around pixels. And by that, I sort of mean I literally got given a template and it was on their online magazine, The Edit. And it will be like, we've got this template, we've got these images, put these images here. If they're not aligned, literally align them a bit more. And that was my job. And I literally described it as pushing around pixels because that's essentially what I did. Over time, I did get frustrated in a way where I wasn't doing any coding behind it. I didn't really understand what was going behind it. And my sort of idea at that time was I kind of want to know what this code is. I don't want to be pushing the pixels. I want to be, you know, actually writing the code. I want to figure out what this is about. It's the sort of, I kind of felt like I almost had like a lack of agency in the way because these things were happening, but I didn't really have any sort of control of them in terms of what I was working on. So I've, at that point, I sort of decided that I'm not going to do a master's now and I'll continue in the workforce, but I'll actually really learn this craft. Dan would go on to work at a host of other places such as Dazed as a producer and developer before finally finding his way to the world of creative technology at Stylist Magazine. That was actually the first time I got called a creative technologist. I think the reason at the time I was thinking at that sort of time in my life how much I really wanted to do in terms of development. I was getting back into the whole idea of digital arts, sort of the idea of more creative development and I guess due to the course I did and due to my interests in general, I think I developed more of an interest in creative, just development in general, both on the web and outside. And at the time, I was actually doing more art pieces around that. And um, I was really lucky, actually. I think I ended up having a lunch with an old uni friend. And he was like, what are you up to? And I was like, I'm just leaving. Days, I think I want to go freelance for a bit. He was like, you know, with your mind and what you can't do, have you ever heard of creative technology? I'm working at this company called Stylist. I think this role for creative technologist would be really interesting for you because you would still have this sort of idea of being a creative and still being able to do like creative development, but it's more of a broader thing where you always can make the role up within the actual requirements of the role, I guess. Dan soon found himself leaving to go freelance before landing a full-time position at Farfetch in 2018. Looking back on the experience, though, making the adjustment wasn't without its challenges. He explained some of the stumbling blocks he encountered while being self-employed. The reason why I went back into full-time work was because of a client I had who, while I was freelance, who like, literally just didn't pay me for months. And it was having to deal with those sort of pitfalls of almost being your own manager, being your own agent in a way, and, and having to generally fight to get paid by certain people or when people try to haggle you down and not really know sort of the worth of what you're doing in a way. In terms of freelance, I find that frustrating. Part of me kind of feels there should be some sort of call-out list for brands and people and companies that don't pay people correctly or on time. I, I think it's a real problem and that was the biggest problem for me in terms of freelance. But everything else around freelance is great. Finally, Dan shares his advice for budding creative technologists. The advice I'll give to somebody who's looking to do something like creative technology, to keep on learning. Never sort of like lose that passion of just 
figuring things out. I love the idea of thinking about this sort of role as like constantly being given a new like Sudoku every week sort of thing. And just going, I'm just going to solve to the figure how this works. Or like, you know, this is a sort of like square hole, but I've kind of got like this sort of strange 10-sided shape that I need to fit in. Let me just figure out like if there's any way to do this sort of thing. I loved the idea of anyone who does this sort of role, of having that mindset to go, nothing is impossible. Is that... I have no idea how this works. I have no idea how this fits in with this, but I kind of think if these two will go together, three will go together, it will create something. And it's having that mindset. I think a lot of people stop themselves before they get to that point. And I think it's it's really important anyone who wants to get this sort of thing has that mindset. But then also just to fail, I think a lot of this role is because some... Sometimes you just generally don't know the limitations of technologies you're using, that you'll use something and you're using the complete wrong way or you'll do something and it just won't work because you're trying it out for the first time. So it is that idea of not being afraid to fail as well. You kind of have to go in with the sense of, you know what, I'm trying this out and if I get it wrong, I get it wrong. Or sometimes if I get it wrong and something else happens, that's a happy accident. This episode of Creative Lives was brought to you by Lecture in Progress. It was presented by me, Marianne Hanoon, and the guest was Dan Adiemi. The editor was Ivor Manley. Lecture in Progress is made possible with the support of a number of brand partners. They include GF Smith, Google, Sky Creative Agency, Colophon Foundry, Heffler & Co, and the Paul Smith Foundation. For more information, check out lectureinprogress.com, and you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter.